Before we begin today's episode, we have to give our patrons over at Patreon a quick shout out. They are Aperba, Kelby Goodman, Lauren L, Paul Campaneshi, Andy Herbrandt, Eric Sari, Rock the Green, and Hanson Screen Printing. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on and paying for the music and the beer we feature. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sari. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. This is your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We are your hosts, as always. I'm Eric. And I'm Russ. And uh, today we are talking about a somewhat obscure car company that was started right here in the state of Wisconsin. We are talking about the Kissel car and the Kissel Motor Car Company. So uh, we also have great Wisconsin music from Sunspot, which, Russ, you just uh, attended a really cool awesome release. album release. Yeah, at the um, Crucible in Madison. Awesome. Yeah. It was a fun time. And, and uh, you know, was, album releases are really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I love when, when artists, especially local ones, decide to do that and, and, and do that in uh, a venue right here in the state of Wisconsin. And it draws out such a really cool crowd. So... Really, really happy that uh, that Sunspot, you know, was able to uh, to do that, and that they drew a really decent crowd from what I saw from you. Oh guys. yeah, and actually, like Mike, um, he runs the uh, the ghost tours here in yeah. Wisconsin. He's just a cool guy. I mean, yeah. like you, you, if you get a chance to go on one of his ghost tours, please do. I mean, we recommend it to every listener. Please do that. Ghost tours are great, especially when they're Wisconsin based. We also have a beer review. And, uh, of course, another edition of How Many Locals You At. Uh, hey, if you haven't already, uh, if any of you could just stop over at uh, Apple uh, or Spotify, wherever you listen, if you could give us some sort of a review, uh, five stars would be excellent. But uh, if you tell us that we're just utterly disappointing, that would be also fine, too, because we find that hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was so hilarious. The cow Joel, <laughs> come on, bud. It was perfect. It, uh, was. it just it was absolutely fitting. We've been so. getting some really good ones, though, but I, I yeah. love the, the – fu- they're so funny sometimes. Like, I, like I don't really take We can appreciate jokes. I take criticism pretty well to be honest like yeah i think it's funny so it just works out especially if you're kind of funny and tasteful about it then we really enjoy it so uh hey you know it only takes a couple minutes if you could do that for us that'd be awesome we'd really appreciate it the five star thing not the one star thing uh hey if you wish there's a lot of uh, more information that you can find on our show. We uh, we suggest that you do that at our website, which is wisconsindrunkenhistory.com. right there, which is nice. Everything's right there. It's a one-stop shop kind of thing. So you can find information about our Patreon, which is how you can uh, physically, uh, financially help this show. And uh, you get that sponsorship uh, at the beginning of the episode, that, that sponsorship shout-out. Uh, plus, you get uh, uh, some extra videos, which, hey, we're working on today as well. So yeah. we're going to throw some more out there. And uh, also, that's where you can find our Tee Public. That's where you can find our actual merchandise that has our logo 
and you can spot you can sport our stuff. Uh, you can spot it out in the wild. Plenty of people have purchased sweatshirts, t-shirts, tank tops. Yeah, which is great. For which summertime. is great for right now because it's like ninety thousand degrees outside. If, if anyone has a Camaro, listening some Def Lep with that cutoff t-shirt. Please send us a picture. That would be super awesome. We just need to see some mullets here. Like, yeah, and, and honestly, we've had a bunch of people who have sent uh, images uh, or pictures of themselves wearing our gear, which is which even better. We love huge. that. Uh, it's really cool to see. I like getting the notification, hey, somebody bought a shirt, and you're getting like 25 cents off of it. But it's also really cool uh, to physically see uh, what they bought and uh, and what they're doing with it. You know, and just and, to know that somebody loves us that much that they're willing to support us. Like yes. that's huge to me. Like I always get a big head when I think about that. It's like, we're, it's we're so just cool. a, a couple of, you know, uh, we're just some average time, Wisconsin like, dudes. We just love Wisconsin. Like yeah. it's been like the number one goal of this podcast was just to spread a little bit more history. Just to talk about one yeah. of the 50 States. And it's just the one that we live in and the one that we feel the most passionate about. So uh, been very cool uh, and very fun. So, uh, hey, without further ado, why don't we just jump right in? Uh, like I said at the top of this uh, intro here, this is the Kissel Motor Car Company. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of you actually haven't heard of this. It's a it's pretty rare car. A lot of a lot of car collectors kind of had. It's not. Yeah, you don't it's hear not about something. It often. And and I'm I don't consider myself like uh, a car collector or anything of that nature. But uh, I do love cars. I love going to classic car uh, shows and car meetups and stuff just to kind of see what people have done. Uh, to these uh, pieces of history. Yeah. And this in particular is something that I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know what? Wisconsin is definitely not a motor city, but we did have some pretty great motors made here. Whether AMC it comes had a, a factory. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The AMC, yeah. the Javelin, the Pacer, and the Gremlin were made in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Right. Along with the GM facility, obviously producing some of the G- big, bigger trucks that they offer. Yeah, the GM facility, and then I think there was a Chrysler plant. There was at one point. Uh, which was also near the Kenosha, Kenosha Racine area, which was also I don't think it will last very long because I think the Belvedere one took over yeah. the major production which belvedere right over the border uh the land of the fib uh you can still see that plant i believe it's still actually in operation yeah it is and uh so this one was kind of one that was a little more obscure on the history and uh, i did some digging i found a few cool things i did get some stuff off wikipedia which i'm never proud of to be honest with you guys here's the thing i think wikipedia if if you can verify the source which Uh, Most of the time they do. Uh, You can scroll all the way to the bottom and you can find those sources uh, and you can verify them yourself by clicking on the links. Those are always available. Wikipedia isn't a bad source. Uh, It's just sometimes uh, it's a little extra work just to make sure that you verify everything is cool. Yeah, exactly. And like the one article I did find was um, in Wisconsin lore. It's like an old, really old book. So some of the stuff is from that. Some of it's from Wikipedia. I kind of combined the two just to make like a full article so I could present it to you guys. And also this is a thousand foot view. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're Uh, not. We want to give you about a 15 minute overview of this thing. And that's it. I love history, but when you got to hear for two hours, let's be honest, you're going to start pinching your leg. So, yeah. So this one starts with uh, Conrad Kissel, who uh, immigrated from Prussia to Addison in Washington County, Wisconsin. In 1857, his son, Louis C. Kissel, moved to Hartford, Wisconsin in 1883. And in 1890, Louis, in a partnership with his four sons, Adolf, not a very popular name, I'm guessing. No, no. Uh, Otto, William, and George opened Kissel Hardware Store, which was originally in the Hartford area. They then formed the Hartford Cow, the Plow Company, not Cow Company, the Plow <laughs> Company. They manufactured and distributed farm machinery, which is obviously going to be like a huge seller at their hardware store. If you're making fabricated 
like farm equipment. Right. Huge seller. And I think, you know, that that type of equipment when it's uh, when it's personally manufactured and personally uh, uh, sort of put together, it's uh, it's even better. And they also had the Kissel Manufacturing Company and the Hartford Electric Company. So this family kind of has like their mechanics. Uh, they're geniuses. Yeah, their mechanical roots. Through Kissel Manufacturing Company, they distributed engines for various manufacturing, developed their own gasoline engines, including outboard boat motors, which we'll get into we later. We know on. a lot about yeah. in, in this state. And we're going to get into that a little more towards the end of the episode here. But the partnership was also involved in home buildings and sales through a stone quarry, sand pit, and facilities for milling their own uh, finished lumber. Wow. And in 1906, Otto formed the first National Bank of Hartford as a principal shareholder and became vice president. Obviously, this is going to help the family out financially, right? Where are you going to get your loans from? Well, my brother has the bank, right? I was so. just going to say, if you've got your own sort of uh, personal loan guy, I mean, you might For as well. Sure. So in 1906, the Kissel Motor Car Company was incorporated by Lewis, uh, his four sons, and U.S. District Attorney H.K. Butterfield. The company began <laughs> production in 1907. Butterfield's pretty Yeah, uh, H.K. Butterfinger. Butterfingers. Yeah. Bart Simpson. Yeah, Bart Simpson. <laughs> Eat my shorts, man. <laughs> In 1907, the Kissel Motor Company advertised as Kissel Car with the slogan, Every Inch a Car. Spicy. I mean, that's spicy. The most famous car uh, was one the company donated to the Hollywood actress Anita King. <laughs> so Anita King at the time was a pretty big actress in the early 1900s here. Yeah. And uh, she was actually taking a transcontinental trip in 1915 that marked the first ever such trip by a female driving alone. The most popular Kissel model was the 1919 through 1927 Speedster, nicknamed the Gold Bug. Wow. And, like, this is the one that kind of you're going to see a lot of, like, the museums, or if you go to, like, a car show, if somebody does have a Kissel, it's usually a Gold Bug. Sure. One of their more common. I was just going to say, maybe this one was the one that was produced uh, and manufactured uh, on, on a sort of, you know, more frequent base. Uh, so a lot more of those are probably around, and, and that means that more of those can probably be, uh, you know, retrofitted. It's, and Yes. Yeah. And so this two's passenger, sometimes four passenger, if you could get the option. The Gold Bug was owned by famous personalities of the time, such as actor Fatty Arbuckle and aviator Amelia Earhart, which uh, we just actually talked about with our friends over at the yeah uh, the poor, poor historians contact. Yeah. How she uh, had some uh, it's been a couple weeks some stuff yeah. going on with Eleanor Roosevelt. Like, yes. And I don't know how true that is, but there were a lot of conversations. Well, there might have been some stuff going on. I was also just going to say too that the the. The sidebar conversation that we had with Poor Historians podcast about Amelia Earhart and uh, uh, Roosevelt might not have made the show, but just know that we definitely did discuss it. Yes. And Russ, that was your uh, creation. You, yeah, actually, you had that. So originally, like how I found out about Amelia Earhart and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was going to Atchison, Kansas. So I dated a girl. Um, I took a job down in uh, Atchison and uh, we went to the home of Amelia Earhart while we were there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of this stuff kind of came out like through reading books and stuff that Eleanor Roosevelt and Amelia Earhart were constant communications. Yeah. They were very fond of each other. And then what were you talking about? A full quad? So yeah, yeah. because FDR was full quad, they, there is assumption that there might have been some kind of romantic relationship. We don't sure. know for sure. Not 100% positive, but throwing it out there. So... In 1927, Kissel also produced the sporty White Eagle Speedster. And Kissel, Kissel also manufactured trucks of three-quarter, one, two, three, four, and five-ton, which is pretty impressive even in today's standard. Yeah, absolutely. A five-ton truck, that's huge. They maintained a sales office at uh, 2515 Michigan Avenue in Chicago in the early 1913. But in 1915, the company that the 542 Kissel Avenue advertised in the National Lumberman, the new models that included a 1,000 six-ton replaced the five-ton. So these are going into the uh, Lumberman. 
right? Like you need right. a lumber truck. These things can handle that big timber. Right. They're they're meant to uh, to tow a, a huge load, you know, and and six ton, you know, that that replaces the that that five ton truck uh, is absolutely necessary. And then what we're going to talk about next. Even more so. Yeah, and so this is kind of like the highlight of the uh, Kissel manufacturing, which is a total bummer that it left. You know, during World War One, the company produced trucks for the U.S. military and for the Allies prior to the U.S. entry into the war. In June 1915, Kissel shipped 30 ambulances and 50 heavy service trucks to the Kingdom of Siberia. Serbia. Uh, Serbia, sorry. And by 1918, Kissel was producing the FWD, or four-wheel drive model B, three-ton buddy trucks, um, not to be confused with the standard B Liberty three-ton truck, under license of Clintonville, Wisconsin. Uh, the based four-wheel drive automotive company, which we've talked about in a previous episode. We have, yeah. For the U.S. War Department. And uh, Kissel prospered during the World War One, but also with stiff competition and, of course, the lingering thing here, the Great Depression, right? So right after the war, right. we all know what happens here. Things get a little sad around here. The Great Depression there. Uh, mounting losses and attempted hostile takeover by new era motors. President Archie Andrews was forced Kissel to file a receivership protection in November 1930, thus closing the official automotive branch of the Kissel company. Right. They were deeply impacted by, uh, yes. by the state of the uh, economy. But even after losing the main loader, uh, motor line, the Kissels continued development and manufacturing of the engines that produced outboard motors in 1935 and were actually the major supplier of the uh, motor for the Sears and Robux catalogs. Yeah. And not the rears and sore butts. Rear, rears and sore butts, <laughs> man. We have a lot of fun with that yeah, one. Yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty fun. That's a joke that has, uh, that's, that's come about in a few episodes here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said. Uh, they the, never stopped manufacturing engines and combustible engines. Right, exactly. So, so as far as as far as the, the, the Kissel car company uh maybe the production of the actual full motor vehicle that went aside in yes. 1930 however uh the fact that they were still manufacturing these motors and then uh producing them for uh the sears catalog uh it, that that's that's huge though because you're still getting uh some sort of uh, uh revenue off of that yes and, and still keeping some jobs and that sort of stuff so now today, approximately 200 of the 35,000 automobiles the company produced are known to exist, along with at least one of the Kissel-built uh, four-wheel drive uh, Model B trucks. Wow. So there's not very many of them that you can see. No, today. these are very rare. Yeah, and so some of them actually are in the Wisconsin Automotive Museum of Hartford. And they have a several of them, which isn't very far away. So if you're in no, the Milwaukee no. area, like yeah, we just, are, uh, pretty easy to to it's like, uh, what, go like there. A little east, a little northeast, right of here. Not exactly. very far, but not very far. And, you know, the rest of them are kind of owned in, like, private collections. And um, you you can see them at, like, a lot of some of the car shows. Actually, Jefferson Swap Meet actually had uh, Kissel. I was just going to say, maybe every once in a while, if you if you do attend some of the larger car shows here in the state of Wisconsin. So, like you said, Jefferson always has a huge one. Oh, yeah. And the Walworth County one is also not very yeah. large. Uh, and, and this is where a lot of the car meetups go. Uh, there's awards given for individuals who come in and show their show cars. And, you know, like the fact that there was only 35,000 produced to begin with, and then there's about 200 known to remain that have been restored or exist, uh, you know, because I'm sure there's still ability to find these as barn finds, uh, as, as uh, pickers and stuff often refer to these as barn finds. They are probably in various states of disrepair uh, in 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 you know th it's very hard to uh to fix these things up or to restore them because the the, the parts don't exist everything has to be machined by exactly i was just gonna say so you're you're 
you're you're you're you're putting a lot of money out there in order to find somebody who can machine these things uh, based on original specs uh, that uh, you know you might be able to you know tear something off a hinge even let's say a hinge or you know any of that stuff that's a small piece to this car that you know helps this door because you can always probably uh, repair a door you know if there's bondo that needs to be done that sort of stuff but these little hardware pieces that are that are you know manufactured that's tough i mean when you find these things and they're missing that stuff uh you know good luck oh, yeah, if yeah. you don't have the the funds you're not you're not going to fully resto this thing <laughs> and just let's just say like the oil spread sitting for th- like 60 years right? oh i'm sure the motors so, like, are probably just, seized. it's just it's just complete goo at this yeah. point like the the oil is and like for kissel Wisconsin actually has quite a bit of car history, to yeah. be honest with you. And I, we're, we're really hoping to feature some of these other ones like Nash, AMC, in Kenosha. Like, there's just a lot of Wisconsin, like, car history. And I'm a yeah. huge car buff. I can't afford the stuff, but I love cars. I, hey, one of, you know, one of my dreams is to have, a, you know, a little uh, uh, shed that has that has you know multiple carports and stuff more of like a you know a nice outbuilding uh, garage type thing that has multiple restored classic vehicles uh old ford trucks chevy trucks that kind of stuff uh and then some of my favorites uh ford mustangs and uh uh you know i would love to have that stuff but like you said i just don't have the means to do it right now i'm in the same boat you know i i love vehicles especially like the winters get really long here so if 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 you had a project like that, how cool would it be to have in the wintertime? I mean, I've heard, amazing. I've done some other stuff like, like, you know, obviously like brush cutters and small engines, but one of these days, man, hopefully I can find a Kissel and uh, get that thing going. Yeah. So moving on to our Wisconsin music segment, which is uh, one of the highlights of every single episode oh, yeah. that we do. Uh, we have had, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, a hundred and some odd different bands. bands. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been quite a while, but, uh, this one is, uh, very near and dear. Uh, we have heard about them forever. They did a song uh, about the haunchies and, uh, this is definitely one of our listeners favorites as well. Badgerland legends, super fan of, uh, of this band. We're talking about sunspot. They've been going for a long time. They started in 1991. Can you believe all the influences on that music? They've got like, yeah. just think about it. I mean, they, you know, they oversaw the the grunge era. Yeah, they had you know the the hard rock kind of metal era, and then they also kind of moved into the more pop, you know, influenced stuff, and then uh, alternative stuff. I mean, it's amazing, and 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 you can hear it throughout the entire thing, uh, throughout their history. And uh, this particular song, this is new. Uh, this one was of, one of a, the things that you newer, just went to. It's kind of a newer one. Yeah. It kind of has like a little bit of a bluegrass influence with like some of the stuff going on in there. Actually, awesome. It's a very cool song. Um, and actually, Sunspot has about two hundred songs for recording. So make sure you get your pocketbooks out because you got to buy these albums because they're all good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely not something that you can just uh, uh, listen to this one track. You got to listen to them all; they're all like, great. Yeah, there's just such a like a wide influence, which which is awesome because like you can kind of get like the decades they've been together inside the music. Like you can kind of hear different influences. And one thing I have to respect, dude, the Toronado. He was oh, yeah. rocking a Toronado guitar. 
Dude, we you know our love one. for the Fender Tornado. Yeah. You know our love for the I had guitar. one. I sold it to you, and then uh, just a great guitar. Monty ended up losing that one on me, which is a yes. bummer. Monty, I love you, man. R.I.P., but I miss my Tornado. The Tornado was a great guitar, man. It was a great guitar, and like actually, he sounded really good. He's a better guitarist than I. Let's just throw it out there. So. Dual humbucker, uh, oh, yes. offset body. Holds a sustain hard. Yeah. Like, it's a great one. But yeah, this one is amazing. Like I hope you guys really appreciate the song, and I hope you guys get a chance to check out more Sunspot. I went to their release party with Badgerland Legends Jeff. Yeah. And it was like one of the best times ever. I mean, like, we kind of just like literally were just in awe. And there was actually a really cool magic show, too. A Wisconsin nice. magic artist, which was just super awesome. Like, I mean, who doesn't like a little bit of magic? And they got like some really cool, like, obviously, Mike does a lot of the American ghost walks. Yeah. Which is really cool influence, too, on the music because you're getting some of that like Wisconsin legends and lore within their songs. Yeah. So this one's probably one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, and it was recommended actually by Badgerland's Legend Jeff, Badgerland Legend Jeff and Mike. It's called "Spend the Night." I'll spend the night in the killer's bed. Gonna spend some time in a head Well, I'm here to talk to the dead And I'll spend the night I'll spend the night in a murder scene Hoping some rubs off on me Well, I don't get queasy And I'll spend the night is it the fear I want to face? Is it the memory of the chase? Is it the blood I want to taste? I just don't know. Is it a lust for the profane? Or a dream of the insane? Well, we just can't explain and we'll spend the night The profane 
Or a dream of the insane Well, we just can't explain And we'll spend the night Oh, we just can't explain And we'll spend the night No, we just can't explain So we'll spend the night. All right. That was amazing. Again, Sunspot, uh, Madison, Wisconsin area. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal music. This is uh, no exception to that. Uh, they made... An amazing song. Uh, Who doesn't spend love the fiddle? Night. Yeah, yeah. Who and, doesn't and love fiddle? Just like it's so emotional. Or sleeping man. in a you know Incredible. killer's bed. Like it's just such a haunting, uh, neat song. So I, I'm a huge fan. Go and check the rest of their catalog out. They like have, I said, they have like 200 songs. Right. So like, make sure you get your pocketbook ready because yeah. like this stuff is amazing. You're it's all spend, Wisconsin music, which is great. Madison, right you're going to spend like your whole day figuring this thing out. So. Uh, let's jo- go ahead and jump into uh, some some beer. Yeah, to keep shit creepy here, we're... Uh, <laughs> to keep shit <laughs> creepy here. We're going to a second Salem today, actually, and I stopped over in Whitewater to grab the Reaper Pale Wheat, um, and I got a growler of it. Um, so the, I did get to see the art while I was there. So it's actually like a Reaper in a horse and buggy. Okay. Kind of creepy, dude. They have like a crow on it. It's kind of yellow, has a lot of wheat around it. Kind of has like that beer vibe, but also creep, right? Yeah. Needle, it's, needle. Hey, you know what? It's creepy as shit. So this one was coming in at 5.6% uh, ABV. So I had to happen to write this down, right? Because I don't have a can here. So no. the IBUs are 31, so not very high in the IBUs. You get more of the wheat malt flavor on this one. Yeah. It's not super uh, uh, aggressively you know, harsh. It's just a good flavor yes. of the grain. And I'm a huge fan of pale wheat, especially in the summertime. It's a little bit lighter, kind of easier on the gut. Right. Around this time of year, you're not sweating out those, those pores. Yeah. Um. So this one was produced, actually the original recipe, the Esterly Reaper, was produced in Whitewater from 1856 to 1891. So this is kind of like an old school. Yeah. Good history. But you're, you're definitely getting the um, a little bit of citrus from the hop. I'm getting a little hints of citrus. I don't know about you. A little bit maybe on the back note there. It's definitely there. Yeah, it's it's at the back of the tongue. You know, you take a sip, you swallow it, and then all of a sudden you kind of get that little bit of citrus. And obviously we know like Whitewater is a huge farming town, but it's also a huge college town. Yeah, yeah know, I was just going to say, you know, they have a good uh, agriculture sort of background. Uh, and then they also have this uh, amazing little downtown area. Uh, that kind of centers around uh, the campus, you know, yeah, uh, yes. um, uh, all the major roads uh, that run um, off of Main Street are are going to run down either to a dorm or uh, or one of the classroom uh, lecture halls and stuff. Exactly. So this one's like obviously pouring like a light, like a like a like a uh, a wheat beer should be kind of. So you're getting yeah. that wheat up front. But with the one thing I do love about it is the little citrus twist on it. Exactly. You're not, you don't normally get that from a weed alley. Normally you get really malty, kind of like a a more of a, a hop just for flavor kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not going to be as uh, uh, citrusy as something like the Summer Shandy. Uh, it's not going to be a Leinenkugels type citrus uh, in a wheat beer. No, uh, it's no. It's going to be 
wheat forward, definitely going to get some of those grains. You're getting that very breadiness, but you're also getting that twist of the citrus on the end. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that's what I think makes this thing stand out a little bit more. If you're not really a fan of, uh, the, the super fruity, uh, citrusy beers, I think this one's going to be a perfect compliment to, uh, what I think would be uh, a perfect compliment to like a fish fry. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that. We're gonna get another bad review on this one. Utterly disappointing, dude. You think so? But no, we're good. But no, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love, I love wheat beers. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of bread, right? Yeah. So you're getting that breadiness. You love bread. I do love bread. <laughs> I actually chowed on some bread. Do you like? He keeps a loaf. Do you like? Uh, do you like him. pumpernickel? Yeah. So you are a true bread fanatic because pumpernickel is probably the dankest bread you can get. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I love, love pumpernickel. I love like dark breads. I love all breads. I'm Ninety-two not grain bread is. Like, oh heck yeah! <laughs> I don't know what I that love, is, but like I'm rocking it. Like they just keep it's a, you know it's just a joke. Breads. As as in like you always go to the bread section and there's like a million grain bread now available that wasn't there the week before. It's like they discovered a whole new fucking grain to throw, throw it into the fucking this bread, dude. Yeah. Oh, let's here's make... another fucking grain. Throw it in. Let's Fuck do it. it. <laughs> let's put some seasons, motherfucker, too. Yeah. So, but no, I love, I love wheat beer. I love the graininess, but I also like that they added like a hop flavor to it. So it's not just kind of like your plain wheat beer, right. which we've had in the past too, you know, yeah, things that sort of avoid hops, uh, like, most of your domestic beers, <laughs> they avoid the hop flavor uh, in in all you know s- scenarios. Uh, it's it's always just this light, weird grain flavor. And this one uh, says, you know what, we're going to be grain forward, but we're also going to throw in this uh, this hint of deliciousness. And Sturge, you went to UWW, so you know Whitewater pretty well, and yeah. they actually have like a pretty cool paranormal history. I mean, we went through some of it on some of our episodes here, but yeah. like they have a pretty cool paranormal history where it's like the Witch's Tower. It's like, kind of the big thing. Close to Bray Road Beast, there. yeah, the the Lagrange Wild Man, some fucking naked dude that got caught by the police, kicked out a window, and ran away again. He was just like a wild dude living. Like the kettle moraine there. Yeah, that might have so, been Danny. It was me. Flickroft. It was actually me, but I'm not gonna throw. Is it Danny Flickroff? It might have been Danny. Dan, we love you, man. I yeah. hope you're not naked in the woods. He is. Okay, so am I. But let's uh, <laughs> let's go on. Delicious beer. Yeah, it, you got to go and get this beer. So, like, the only place you can pick this one up is at the uh, Second Salem Brewing Company. I would always I got just it. go to the Tap House. Yeah, go to the Tap House. I'm it's not an sure, amazing venture. I'm not sure if they're actually canning right now. I mean, I've been getting most of the growlers we featured on here right from the... Pl- it's, like, right on my way, so it's, like, an easy say, stop for me. Most of the time, it's just easier for... You know, if, hey, if you want a quick, you know, little venture, if you're anywhere in this area uh, that we're from... Whitewater's not that far away, and uh, it's a cool town too. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you're going to visit like Madison or something, you can go right through on the you know on the byway or whatever, and it's it's so, uh, amazing visit. Can I ask what was your favorite bar in Whitewater? My favorite, um, probably the College Pub. College uh, Pub's a pretty good one. The the fact that it had uh, the the five dollars all you could drink on Thursday nights was always. Uh, top notch. Uh, another one of my favorites was, you know, Pumpers and oh, Mitchell's. Oh, God, of course. The, uh, that dimers. is, like, the most con- like Tuesday Night Dimers was the best. Oh, yeah, heck yeah. You could go there with just a pocket of change and get just absolutely annihilated. What was the dive bar that they had? It was, like, Brass Rail? Brass Rail is, like, Brass the first Rail's one kind of more divey. Like, I right kind of like that. Yeah, like I kind of like that one. Get, I've know? definitely drank there. It's more divey, which oh, I like. Yeah. It's more, like, kind of home feeling, you know? Like but that's me. where most of the, the townies go. Yeah, and that's why I kind of like it. It's more of, like, your local feel, like... Like the wood walls, you know, like a kind of more divey yeah. bar. It's definitely one of those uh, experiences. Ex- it, it, you're agree. not going to feel like you're in a college town by being there. 
but then you can just walk two steps think, down the street and you get to a different one. I think if you're going for more to like, like the college, obviously like Pumpers and Mitchell's is like probably the way to go. I mean, that's like the most college, college one they have. Pub, for sure. net, you know, Thursday night when they have the keg taps and stuff. like Just yeah, amazing. For sure. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many logos you have? Holy smokes! You know what that means, folks. And uh, do we got one with a little dent on his head today, Eric? Let's talk this about this guy, guy. He has got a goose egg on his noggin, bro. Uh, <laughs> you can slap a keg right on that bad yeah, boy and it'll hold. You can definitely tell he went to the uh, hospital with this one. <laughs> no, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, so all right. <laughs> you're all right, bro. The poor historians uh, give us the okay. He's confirmed good. Uh, but this one is uh, from Caledonia area, which is literally just down the highway from uh, my area here. Uh, a Milwaukee man is charged with operating well under the influence. This is his third offense. The trio. The, the old the trio. Tracy, uh, or Trace. Trace is 13. Trace. Trace. You're good. Yep, you're good. Trace. I'm not very good at Spanish. Uh, just Spaniolis Malo, bro. <laughs> just, just ask Adam <laughs> Wesner. He knows okay, all right. that I was kicked out of Spanish. Uh, after no, goose, no me gusta. Like, <laughs> they held a candlelight vigil for me because I spoke robot in Spanish class and she had enough of it. Uh, Senorita Bruja was like, nope, you're out. Well, you were a hombre de robot, right? Like you beep, boop, beep, boop. And you can get kicked out for that, too. I think <laughs> my <laughs> name, my name in that class was Hole. Was it? They pronounce Jesus. it Hoel mostly, but I kept saying it was Hole. That's not good with Miss Bruja, like dude. It, so Miss Bruja was, too, like the name means witch, by the way. Miss yeah. Witch. So um she was an absolute saint. She put up with a lot of my shit. She did, yes. And uh in this particular uh, instance, this this shenanigans was enough to say you're out, uh, because Anytime she would ask a question, you're supposed to respond in Spanish. And it uh, uh, it was Adam's idea to have me raise my hand for every question and reply in robot, uh, which is just not when you're R2D toing your teacher, you're usually not good. Yeah, she was not you know, like she wasn't she wasn't thrilled by it at all. And uh, I was immediately kicked out and failed the class and put into Another study hall. So I think I had about three study halls that year. Uh, you were totally the alumno <laughs> del diablo. Yeah. The, the devil student. If I you was will. not impressive. No. So okay. much like this guy. No. You know, I don't know what though. This like, gentleman. He could have passed Spanish with that sweet bump on his head though. Like you would have just been like, they would have felt bad for him. Like you, you he, just pass, bro. Like, you <laughs> like, you, you guys, can just win, dude. You just win. If you've ever seen uh, uh Back to the Future, and you imagine Doc Brown, but they got beaten the head hammered, with a fucking bat, uh, <laughs> hammered in two ways, Ham- drunk, and then also hammered Actually, by somebody hit hammered. hammered. Yeah, someone hit him with a hammer. That's this guy. Uh, he looks exactly like Doc that Brown. That goose egg is fucked. fucking hot, dude. Holy uh, so this Milwaukee man charged with operating uh, well under the influence, third offense, uh, after allegedly admitted to drinking while driving, and this was back just on July twelfth. Uh, prosecutors say that 51-year-old had a open beer, uh, multiple open beers, actually, in his SUV at the time of his arrest. He is also charged with driving Jesus. with a revoked driver's license, which isn't very... This is kind of uh, like, this, this is like a standard thing yeah. in podcasting. Uh, if you got a third, more than likely... Uh, you, you got you, the experience? You got the revoked. Okay. Like, you're not going to have a driver's <laughs> you got license. The, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, he's driving without a driver's license at this point, and uh, it's obviously due to his other uh, operating while intoxicated convictions. And uh, he's also uh, charged with a misdemeanor for bail jumping. So, And I don't even think he's going to get a work permit on this one because that freaking goose egg. Man. No, he's done, yeah. Okay. It, he actually probably has a concussion. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened here. But um, a Racine County Sheriff's deputy made a traffic stop on an SUV reported uh, for reckless driving near Seven Mile Road, which, again, very close to my house here. Seven Mile Fair, bitch. Exactly. Seven we, Mile Fair. Anytime we get on to 94, we have Everything to pass. stolen at the Seven Mile Fair. You can basically get any <laughs> speaker like, that you've ever wanted it's at Seven Mile Fair. probably at some point. You can also get your sneakers uh, airbrushed. You can get like some sick pack of socks, too, like a hundred pack of socks. Oh, yeah, for there. sure. So. They're made out of other socks. <laughs> like socks, socks on socks. All right. It's socks on socks, bro. Okay. Uh, so this is right there uh, near 94 in Caledonia, Seven Mile Road. Uh, for those of you that have been to Seven Mile Fair, you know exactly where this is at. Uh, if you speak Spanish, you probably do pretty decent there, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, like, If you want to speak Espanol. Spanish, this is the best place yeah, to oh, go. Yeah, oh, you can practice there. Actually, it's amazing. Have... Well, yeah, for a field trip. Yeah. Not a field trip. It was a project. Yes. And I think we actually went there one time Practicar mi español. Yeah. I was there for a joke. You were there for real. Uh, but anyway, so this uh, uh, this particular instance, deputies approached the SUV, and the driver, uh, which was, again, identified as this 51-year-old male, uh, had, had dropped his keys out of the window and got out before being told to do so. So he preemptively was like, fuck it, I'm throwing my keys out the window, and I'm Good getting idea, out, though. bro. It's not in the ignition. Well, that's true. He, he technically wasn't in possession of the keys that weren't the, in the ignition, but... You They're know, on the side of the road. I think they pulled him over so they knew oh, he okay. was driving, so... Uh, but He I, didn't jump to the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's driving? I don't know. I have no idea. Bro, ghosts. I haven't even seen the keys. Ghosts. Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Beast of Prairie Road's driving, bro. Uh, but a criminal complaint states that uh, deputies smelled the strong odor of intoxicants coming from this guy... They asked if there was a reason for that, and uh, he allegedly admitted that he had a couple after work. Um, and, and they found a bunch of open uh, four loco and three open no cans way, of Natty Ice beers. This guy is our homie here. So Natty uh, finally, Ice too. Finally, at episode 115. We have a loco. We have a confirmed fucking loco drinker. Not only was it loco, it was also Natty Ice. Was he drinking Blue Raz or USA, the USA one we found? Ooh. The Merca one was that good? Did Merca, you try one, the, the one that tastes like a bomb pop? Yeah, did you like that one? I did. It was good. It was great. You turned into Kid Rock. You mm-hmm. actually look like Kid oh, Rock. Actually, right now. Yeah, actually, yes. Okay, yeah. So uh, look at Kid Rock. A little bit of Kid Rock. A little bit of John Cougar. You, oh, Coogs too, sucking on the a Coogs. chili dog, dude. I was sucking on chili dogs, bro. Oh, nice. Behind the Tasty Freeze. Nice. Chili dogs. Sucking tasty it off in freeze. the alley. Tasty sucking, Freeze. Sucking dogs. Chili Freeze. <laughs> All right. Chili Freeze. Chili Freeze. That's you place. make it up, dude. Yeah. You're making your own restaurant here. So he says, hey, I had a couple after work, but also has four Loco cans and Natty Ice cans in his vehicle. Uh, the pr- preliminary breath test actually found that he was at .197. Oof. That's aggressive. Bad. That's not bad. That's pretty aggressive, though. That's two times the limit plus a little bit of extra. <laughs> you are a little over two times the legal limit here. Plus a little extra. Um, the complaint states that this guy was driving on a revoked license uh, due to his priors, and then he had active warrants and all the other stuff. He was taken into custody. Uh, of course. Once he was in custody, uh, this guy admitted to using cocaine and smoking marijuana this earlier guy, in the day. This guy has too. a whole whole deal in his system, dude. This dude really is Macho Man Randy Savage. He is. 
Holy smokes. Uh, he also admitted to drinking what was found in the SUV, which was, like we said, the Four Locos and the Natty Ice. Um, he, he said, I was drinking and I was driving. The complaint also states he told deputies he had been drinking since he was nine years old and that he drinks alcohol like it's coffee. Dude. At, 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 oh at a certain point in time, man, just fucking give in to your Miranda rights and stop talking to these fucking people. Why, why doesn't the fucking article give why he had a goose egg? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know. Like, he took a macho man bow to the top of the head, bro. Like, that's also true. Unless that's Jesus. like a birthmark or something. No, that's a fucking bow. That's a top row bow <laughs> to the top of the head, dude. He, he receding got... hairline. Like, he hit right on the top of the receding hairline and fucking bowed him. And it's funny because it's like right at the edge. His receding hairline goes all the way back to mid-head. The bump is like the borderline of the hair. And it's massive. It's huge. It like, you, is... can put a, you can put a beer on that and it'll hold. We don't want to tell you any more about this guy, but he is fucked. <laughs> yes, um, sir. And he, oh my God. he truly is drinking. Uh, I, I think he's actually been he drinking actually, since the day he was nine. This is our first true loco marijuana cocaine. Everything mixed <laughs> yeah. in the 1.197 aft. This guy is fucked. So, what are we going with here, dude? I mean, I got a number and I love it. Do you just do your number because I actually don't have a number on this. So, like, he's just over the limit. Like, he's I top mean, dog. I was thinking, so he, can I just throw mine out there, Eric? Can you just tell me what you think? 20 yeah. loco? Okay, I think what that's were you low. Thinking? What were you thinking? You're thinking low? I think that's low, bro. Okay, what were you thinking? Well, so here's the thing. Coco loco, bro. He's, he's, he's up there. Okay. What but I thinking? think he's established. Like, he knows his, his tolerance. So this dude is like, let's go. <laughs> and I think, honestly, I think he's at, what did you say? I, th- I was thinking a 20 local plus concussion. 20 local plus concussion. Okay. So my original thought was this dude is at a full on like 24. I can go with that. You want to go 22 meet in the middle? Yeah. 22 plus a concussion from that goose egg? Yeah. 22 plus concussion loco? Exactly. This is, this is, yeah. I think, I think we're on it. I think we've, we've nailed it. The 0.197 isn't necessarily uh, the, the, the major identifier here. It's the fact that this dude's been drinking from the age of nine and he is a fucking established drinker like it's coffee. 0.197, the trio. And he actually had. In his 50s. Four loco cans, natty ice cans, marijuana, cocaine. This dude's a fucking. If we have any fifty-year-olds that drink four locos, can you guys please email us? Because like you guys yeah. are my fucking heroes. Because like just being fifty and handling a loco. Yeah. This is baby. aggressive. All right, we're gonna go ahead. 22. Law and order. Law and order. This dude, Eric. Holy smokes! We are proud today to be with Mike Huberty. Mike, how are you doing? Fantastic. Just said, hey, it's it's July. It's warm. Um, there's no tornadoes today. I, I'm right. doing all right. Yeah, there's no uh, no uh, absolute inclement, dangerous weather with hail and tornadoes and all the other garbage, right? <laughs> right. So that's a win for us. Exactly. It's a big win. So, Mike, first off, can you talk about American Ghost Walks and a little bit of information about American Ghost Walks for our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Um, so when we were kids... My sister and I always used to love to go on haunted history tours, whatever town we go to and visit. We grew up uh, in Big Bend, so in Waukesha County, you know, 20 minutes from Milwaukee. Yeah, right down the street from my house, actually. Oh, great, right. And so so we would uh, always want to go on the haunted history tours. And then since we could get WGN um, 
from Chicago in, you know, like the radio stations on Halloween, they'd always have this guy from Chicago named Richard Crow, And he would talk about Chicago's history tour, or haunted, haunted ghost stories and things. And so, um, in 2008, my sister, uh, was, uh, she was a teacher in Milwaukee and she was looking for something to do on like the summers, like let's make it some money or have some fun. And so she decided to start a tour in Milwaukee of the third ward. And then a couple of years later, um, I was looking for a way to make some money, period. Like not even, not even just during the summer. It's like, no, daddy needs a job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's like, Hey, this has been going pretty well in Milwaukee. You should see if you can do it in Madison. And so then I, um, I started a ghost tour in Madison and, uh, over, and since then we've expanded to, uh, the twin cities, uh, the Chicago area, but also within Wisconsin, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin Dells, uh, Bayfield, Waukesha. Uh, and so we have several different cities that are covering the haunted history of Wisconsin at AmericanGhostWalks.com. And it's real fun to be able to share uh, these, you know, ghost stories, urban legends, UFO sightings, uh, cryptids, which are like, you know, sea monsters. And hey, Lake Geneva's got a sea monster. Madison's got two. We got two sea monsters. One of each Sweet. lake. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. So, Mike, you are like the first person we've had on this podcast that's actually slinging ghosts. You're slinging ghosts, man. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's, that's right, guys. So you're kind of like a ghost pimp. Well, yeah, you kinda, know, kind of. I prefer, you know, I um, I prefer ghost whoremonger. But I oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's <laughs> yeah. actually better. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So, Mike, we we're going to ask you to what is one of your favorite haunted locations that uh, you recommend our listeners go and check out? Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of fun ones in southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, you know, between Lake Geneva and Milwaukee, um, you know, it's the summertime though, and this is the time to visit Lake Geneva. It is. So I would say, you know, one of the, um, one of the most beautiful houses in Lake Geneva is a place called the Maxwell Mansion. And it was built by Dr. Robert Maxwell and, you know, in the 1850s and, um, he's actually the guy we've all bought something at Maxwell street days. Oh, yeah. You know, you've all, yeah, and like a fair, whatever. And um, I remember we used to go to McQuana, go to the Maxwell Speech Days, and you buy, I don't know, like a ripoff of a hyper colored t shirt or something, or that's where you get the illegal Bart Simpson t shirts <laughs> yeah. and all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but uh, Maxwell Street in Chicago, where that kind of that, you know, like homegrown uh, street fair vendor kind of thing came from, that came from this guy that built this mansion in Lake Geneva because he eventually moves up there and builds this place in the 1850s. Um, and it's this gorgeous mansion uh, with like, there's rooms upstairs that they say like president grant There's a president grant suite because president grant stayed there one time. Um, if you go all the way up to the attic, they still have like some slits in uh, the roof or, or not really the roof, but like slits in the attic where you could look out where, um, if they got into a scuffle uh, with the local indigenous population, um, they could be shooting from the roof sure. kind of thing. And so it's just when you talk about some of the oldest um, houses in Wisconsin, like it's, it's right up in the, you know, it's right up in some of the oldest parts of the state. And so um, it's just had some very interesting uh, haunted stories that people have had 
you know, they've had experiences in the various suites. Um, they say there's a ghost of like a 10 year old boy, Danny, you know, pull at the, um, pull at the skirts of like ladies as they're leaving the house. And there's little things like that, that, uh, just stories that have amassed over the last 160 some years since it's been built that give it a lot of history, a lot of local to Wisconsin and Southeast Wisconsin flavor. Um, and it's a place you can still go to. You can stay there overnight. You could drink in their apothecary bar, or there's a, like it's a speakeasy bar in the basement that's meant to be like a 1920s style speakeasy. And so it's a lot of fun to go to. It's got real ghost stories, real history, and uh, it's a place you can go to any weekend. Awesome. And Mike, I got to ask you. So I have an old issue of Maximum Inc. at home. Were you one of yeah. the Were you one of the writers for that paper? Oh yeah. No. Okay. I thought that was you. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's just the same Mike for the writer of maximum ink. Nice. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah. So cool. no, I've written, I mean, I've written hundreds of stories of maximum ink since like 2000. Okay. Perfect. So, I was going to college around that time. So that's why I remember it. That's I have an pretty old awesome, one. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a fun magazine. And you got to interview, I mean, I got to interview everybody from, you know, like Rob Zombie to the bass player to Aerosmith to Yoko Ono. Wow. So, That's pretty cool. Yeah. So th- that was fun. And then a lot of times I'd ask him, have you ever seen a ghost? That's, it's, I mean, it's a great question to be honest. Right, you, sneak in, you sneak in little things like that. And I just be like, okay, maybe this isn't for the magazine, but I'm just going to use this for later. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, what a great question for anybody. I mean, it's, it's always really neat to hear if someone uh, uh, famous or, or really just anybody has uh, experienced, you know, some sort of paranormal uh, activity, you know, a ghost or, or otherwise. And you never know who it's going to be. Like the drummer from the Black Crows or whatever was like, well, yeah, let me tell you. And then he just goes in to say something like, and it wasn't even like a crazy ghost story. It was just, no, I saw this, you know, little girl in a red bandana um, in my house one time in Southern California and I, and I, you know, and I, I didn't think too much of it. I saw something weird, and then I talked to somebody else, and they had also seen the same person uh, wow. in the house who had been there before. And he's like, so, you know, it's not something that, hap- that happens all the time. He goes, but I believe in ghosts. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, I plus, I'm a huge Black Crows fan, too, to be honest. Like, I love those guys. So <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Right. So, you know, so it's like, all right, well, you play some good beats, too, man. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. So, yeah, Mike, we featured one of your songs today where you, uh, you spend the night. Can you tell us some of the influence behind that song? Which is, it's an awesome song, to be honest. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. You know, the original idea of that song is that we were interviewing some people who were spending the weekend at the Lizzie Borden house in okay. Massachusetts. And so I was like, okay. And so at the time, we had a podcast called See You on the Other Side, where I'd interview somebody about a um, paranormal experience, and then would write a song inspired by it. So this is me and the drummer from my band. We'd interview people uh, weekly. And then my sister would join us sometimes too. And then we, you know, we write a song about it. And so that one, they're talking about spending the weekend at the Lizzie Borden house where these murders took place. And I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, you're, you, you're paying money to go to a place where something (laughs) brutal happens. Now in Iowa, there's this place called the Velasca Axe murder house. That's the website. That's the dot com. It's like the dot com. Oh yeah, you know, I think I, I'd like to spend a hundred dollars a night to go there. And, 
and, and that's the idea is that you go to places specifically that have had these kind of activities take place. Um, and that sometimes it's out of morbid curiosity. Sometimes it's because you want to know, you, you think it might be a place where you can connect with the spirit world or with, you know, or see something paranormal, supernatural, different. Yeah. And yeah. so, so yeah, on that same note, you know, with uh, Atchison, Kansas, which we were actually just talking about Amelia Earhart on the Poor Man's Stories podcast, and our podcast was in um, Atchison, which has the Sally House, which is supposedly what America's most haunted place. You know, you know, I used to know. Um, oh, there was a, a lady who was like Atchison's haunted representative. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice, no, she yes. like they, the the town hired her to go out, you know, as part of the tourism thing, and they would encourage people to come to Atchison specifically for that reason. So there was a, a convention in Alton, Illinois, near St. Louis, that uh, we used to, my band Sunspot, we perform at uh, every year. And then, so we hung out a lot and talked about Atchison, Kansas. And, you know, besides, you know, Earhart connection, I had, you know, no idea, obviously, where it was. So learning about that made me want to go uh, visit and spend the night myself. Did you get a chance to? I haven't. I still haven't been there yet. Oh yeah. man, you got you got to head down that way. I mean, it's really cool. It's like the town is going to experience. Something. It's really super small town feel too, which is really nice. Like everybody knows each other. You go to a cafe and like, oh, Sally's been here for fifty years. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. But it's, <laughs> right. it's a really cool feel. And um, on that note, I know you guys have just started with our good friend Badgerlands Legend Jeff, a podcast. Do you want to talk about that and uh, where we can find you guys? Oh. Definitely. Wisconsin, Wisconsin Legends Podcast and WisconsinLegendsPodcast.com um, is where you can find it. Our, our first season, we're covering uh, Ed Gein, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, two of Wisconsin's finest. The classics. Um, oh, yeah. Right. The, <laughs> yes. the Beast of Bray Road. Yeah. So right up your area. Right in my so we, backyard. We, <laughs> right. We go, we go deep into that. Um, and then, uh, like the... Devil's Lake, which has a ton more paranormal history than I even realized after, you know, going there for scout camp and, and things like that. Um, uh, Hotel Hell, the Maribel Caves. And then we also cover uh, the Ridgeway Phantom, speaking of places with a small town kind of feel. You know, Ridgeway, Wisconsin, and the crazy history of different paranormal experiences that people have had uh, in the Driftless area. Wow. And so that when you talked about that, that made me think about, you know, researching it and, and, you know, talking to people in Ridgeway and how they would just, you know, it's like everybody knows the story. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, James got a story over here. He saw something in 1958. And like, oh, there's, oh yeah, James is like across the street. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah just, for sure. Oh, he might be at the bar of, right now if you head over there. Yeah, so. he, he's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll at least be there until seven because the high lifes are a dollar seventy five. Yeah, for sure. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> right. If I actually, if I can find high life for a dollar seventy five, someone please send me in that direction. But, but we all know that 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 same small town, oh, yeah. the same guy, you know, something like that. Yeah, and, and there really is a different. Uh, there's you know there, there's suburban towns or whatever. Like I think about Big Bend or whatever. Like it, yes, it was a small town, but everybody grew up. Or, I mean, you know, like going to Milwaukee or, you know, going to Chicago. Like, it wasn't that far away that yeah. it kind of developed its own culture as compared to you go to Moston or Mosinee or Ridgeway. You find the different parts of the state that just aren't quite that close, and they really develop their own kind of culture. 
Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really remarkable thing. And, and, you know, with our band, we used to go and we had booking agents that would put us in towns I'd never even heard of. Like, yeah, you're playing in Polar, Wisconsin tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> what's that? You know, like, I'm like, uh-huh. what's MapQuest, guys? And so you jump in and go and, and then you go to a place that, um, you know, it's not, it's 70 miles from the closest city that beats 50,000 people. Wow. And that, and I think that's really fun and interesting. And you see how, uh, you know, you see how the small town cultures develop and hopefully keep going even, you know, when the mills leave and things like that. Awesome. Yeah, Mike, this is like phenomenal for me. Like I cannot wait to attend one of the uh, ghost tours. I know me and Eric have been talking about that for a long time. Yeah. And one thing we'd like to do if, if you're up for it is uh, get into the basement of the Pabst. Uh, the past brewery That'd we've be been awesome. talking about that for a long time now so if you're up for that let us know yeah if we can find a way in i'll go oh you betcha <laughs> like cool do it but, I, i'm definitely well the past caves have yeah. their own uh you know have their own like there was a like a romantic ghost story associated with um you know, a guy and a girl that were meeting in the past caves and everything and then one day he never showed up and so uh, sometimes you'll still, you know, people still see the ghost of her waiting for him. Oh, wow. Cue Radiohead's high and dry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh no, that might, be the, I'm sorry, that, that might be the, that might be the Miller cave. Okay, okay. Either sorry, one, I mean. I, just, I was just getting excited. Yeah, cue Radiohead's um, yeah, high and dry, though. Perfect soundtrack for this one. So. <laughs> exactly right. But, that, I mean, with I mean, Milwaukee's history and all those beer barons and everything like that, there's uh, – there's a ton of cool stories. Plus, the past theater has got a couple oh, stories yes. itself. Oh yeah, and the rave, the rave's got some oh. because of the the pool. Yeah, we could do right. that. Well, there's the mafia connections, you know, of the Eagles Club and the rave and things. But yeah. also, the rave is one of the places where people see the ghost of Buddy Holly. That's pretty. Oh cool. wow! No way! That's cool. Because yeah, because he had played at the Eagles Ballroom where him, the Big Bopper, Richie Valen. Um, they played there a couple of dates before their final date. So like the, as they were coming to the Midwest um, and obviously the plane crashes in, in Clear Lake, Iowa, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, Iowa, yeah. Um, yeah. But that was um, close to the last time he ever played. And really? so people wow. have reported, people reported seeing, you know, a guy with the glasses and everything like looking at him and like giving the thumbs up or smiling at him as they go on the stage. Maybe baby. You know, that'll be the day. Maybe baby. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, Mike, this is awesome. Thank you for taking the time Sunday to talk with us. And uh, we will be tuning into your podcast, and we're really looking forward to learning more about the uh, Wisconsin, maybe the more paranormal and obscure things. Absolutely. Yeah, please come visit us anytime, AmericanGhostWalks.com. If you want to get a preview of what you get, uh, Jeff and I talk about it at um, WisconsinLegendsPodcast.com. And if you want some music to accompany you on your paranormal journey, visit us at sunspotuniverse.com. Perfect. Thank you so awesome. much, Mike. You have a great rest of your Sunday. All right. You too, guys. All right. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye. All right. Cheers. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com 
or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as always, watch out for deer on your way home.